Hi, this is Hillary Crowley, and welcome to the Good Energy Healing Show. Today, I'm going to tell you a story that inspired me to do this show called Growing Up, Always Growing, Always Changing. It's all about growing up. Um, uh, it happened a couple of days ago, and I was in a town other than my own. I was, I was out um, taking a ride home from a nice lunch with my niece. And it was about um, three o'clock in the afternoon when a bunch of kids from a middle school were getting out of school and I was going through the zone, the traffic zone, where you have to be super careful with uh, crosswalks and traffic and children walking and on bicycles, which is my point, the bicycle story. Um, So I was driving slowly, kind of taking it all in, grateful to not be in a rush because sometimes I am in a rush. But there was nothing to do, even if I was in a rush, because it was about just taking it slow. And so I um, noticed a bunch of kids on their bikes. I'm like, oh, beautiful day. Kids are on their bikes. Only problem is, is they're going southbound on the northbound traffic lane. So they're going southbound on the northbound traffic lane. And, um, you know, for so many reasons, that's just a bad idea to... um, bike against the traffic, even though the young mind might say, well, I can see all the cars coming towards me instead of having the cars coming up on my back. At least that's what I remember being um, the issue when I was um, just starting out on my bike and being told I have to go with the traffic. And I said, oh, this is a terrible feeling because now I won't know if cars are coming up and you have to listen and pay attention and so forth. But it does seem logical to go against the traffic because then you can see what's coming at you. However, uh, there are all sorts of ways in which people aren't looking the right direction because you're going to be coming in an unexpected direction. Well, this is exactly what happened. Um, So a 10-year-old child, I would say a fifth grader, 10-year-old, was zipping down the road, happy to be out of school on a beautiful uh, Wednesday afternoon. And um, I was traveling and witnessed um, going northbound while the child is going southbound, not even in a bike lane, but in a gutter lane. So, um, so as that was happening, um, I thought, okay, not liking it. However, then a gentleman in an SUV who was going southbound just was looking at my car, which, um, which was passing. And so I had on one side of me, um, going southbound, I had a child, um, on, in the gutter lane going southbound. And on the other side of the road, I had a gentleman going southbound on the other day. All right. Anyway, what happened is that he took a left-hand turn and right behind my back bumper, I had a gentleman taking a left-hand turn into a bank driveway. And I had this 10 year old going straight into the guy. And the only thing that kept it from being a collision was like a millisecond of timing. There was no I'm not even going to call it luck. It was just that it didn't happen. There were no brakes being hit, it hit. Nobody was slowing down. And it turns out when I looked at it in my rear view, rear view mirror, um, neither of them even acknowledged what a, a near miss it was. So I'm sure the car, two cars behind me or two spaces behind me um, saw it happening. Um, but then you just kind of kiss it up and say, oh, well, near miss. Thank goodness. All right. What I did and what is my inspiration to the podcast 
is that I immediately turned to the crossing guard who was standing in that crosswalk where the little boy had gone on his bicycle in the crosswalk. And instead of taking a left to go northbound, he proceeded to go uh, southbound in the northbound traffic lane. So I said to the crossing guard, I said, hey, you should let the kids know that's dangerous. Hey, you should let the kids know that's dangerous. And if they're going to go southbound, they should stay on the southbound lane. This is the inspiration. His response is my inspiration. So this gentleman who, you know, I'd put him at about 58 or 59, 62 years old, uh, full geared up. Um, I don't know if he worked for the school or if he was hired just to be the, um, just to be the um, crossing guard. But he absolutely was the adult in charge in that moment. And I actually didn't want to hold up traffic. So I wasn't there to lecture. It was just like, hey, you know, I'm going so slowly. I think I was even rolling and was able to mention that to him. And he looked at me and he he threw his hands up as if I was scolding him. And he said, what am I supposed to do about it? What do you expect me to do about it? And I had to immediately go into teacher mode and say, I'm not scolding you. I'm, I'm not criticizing you. I think you're doing a great job. I just wanted to let you know, thumbs up, two thumbs up, watch out for those kids out there. He goes, I can't do anything about it. Okay. And I was like, all right. So I drove away, um, kept driving and I, cause I didn't want to, um, ruin his day. I certainly just, I thought we were on the same team, which is, as I'm saying that they're probably listeners being like, yeah, you're the lady yelling out the window during the school thing. Like, watch out for the kids. Um, but, um, I really did. At that moment, I thought we were on the same team. I'm like, your goal is my goal. You're at a crossing guard protecting the kids. My goal is I don't want to see the kids get hit either. We have shared the goal, but immediately became like just a little bit of adversarial, of which I didn't um, enforce. I like to think, and I got on the road. Then I thought, well, a good idea would be to call. Um, the police so that somebody can be aware that this is a brand new school just built. Um, maybe it's a year or two old. I don't even know, but I know from my niece that she went to a different school a few years ago. So it might be a new traffic pattern for the whole area because the reopening of a new building or who knows. All I know is that gentleman looked like he'd been going to that bank a long time and he did not care that it it had become a school zone. All right. I'll call the police. I give the local police a phone call and our phone gets disconnected. So I said, all right, well, I'll call him back. I, I always um, wanted him to know it wasn't an emergency. So um, we just couldn't hear each other because of the cell connection. So about an hour later, I was home and I remembered to call it. It, it, it kind of um, frazzled me enough to want to call. So I called again and um, the police officer was very, very kind And he told me um, that he appreciated my call, but his message was the same. We've done our best. These kids, you know, they don't, if they don't know how to drive on a bike, then I said, then what a tragedy is going to happen. And they said, could. And I was like, what? All right. This is really bothering me. So, um, I said, I, I said about five different ways. It would be really great if you could do some education. We've done the education. It would be great if you could have some, we are under, we're understaffed. 
but right at that minute, like, I just, I would hate to see a kid get hit by a bike. Um, I mean, I'd hate to see a kid get hit by a car on his bike. And the phone call was over. There was no moving this process forward because I realized that I thought I was talking to adults who saw themselves in a different role than children. But when I was listening to them process, they were just processing about how they can't change, how their quote unquote hands were tied. And there's just nothing else they can do, which is ridiculous. There's so much you could do. There's so much I could do. I could actually go back there at three. I could tell all my clients, I'm not going to see you just tell my family. And I could stand there and just like every kid will be like, Hey, if you're going to go, which way are you going? But that would be weird. And, um, it would not really be enabling the bigger healing of the system. So this is kind of me standing in the crosswalk, um, for the growing up show today, the good energy of growing up and changing, um, always growing, always changing because that idea of the growth mindset really would have worked well with the crossing guard because he thought that he was going to be, uh, told he was doing something wrong. And those were the only two, um, sort of black and white stories we were going to hear. Am I telling him he's doing something wrong? Am I telling him he's doing something right? And yet he's holding the responsibility of keeping the kids safe. And he said, that's really, I just, I'm doing one job. This is my one job. Either I'm doing it right or I don't want to hear about it. So today's show is about growing up, always growing up and always seeing opportunities to change and to grow. Um, I think that energy healing is beautiful. Um, oftentimes it can come across as a passive way to get healed. Um, when somebody can bring forth, uh, a miracle, um, energy healing can be really trapping that way because we have a long, long, long history, which goes back to saying there's something in the energy that we can heal from each other, whether that's hands-on, um, energy that looks and feels like prayer, energy that is prayer, ways where you're passively being cared for and healed. But anyone who does this work in the healing takes no joy out of the passiveness because ultimately that doesn't seem to land in the healing category for the client. They can be cured. They can be they're remedied, but the bigger issue that is empowering doesn't seem to land and hold and, 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 and grow the person who is asked for help. So you'll see with a lot of different um, energy workers along the way, they become thought leaders because they say, oh, I, I'm, Carolyn Mace is a great example of that. A lot of people, so Carolyn Mace is a medical intuitive and she kind of led the way with, she started like the, you know, the first decade or more, she was able to just read people and see what they need and help them and uh, say, you need to do this. You need to do this. You're going to want to do this. But soon afterwards, now she doesn't do any of that work. And (laughs) I've seen her um, lecture. I've gone to her workshops and she just basically says, grow up people. And you pay a lot of money to have her tell you that for like 
three days or four days or seven days. And she just says, how's everyone doing? Did you grow up last night? Let's start another day. Um, have you thought differently about your self-centeredness? Um, are you ready to open your minds, people? Um, you have to have a sense of humor when you're ready to grow, especially with teachers like that. Knowing that um, she probably has some very good ideas about um, if I did have an ailment, how to heal it. She's not even offering that anymore. She's not even offering that anymore. She's insisting that we take inventory for ourselves in order to grow and to grow up. So think about growing up as the sort of answer to the word of what are you going to, you know, the, the, the word of grown up. What are you going to be when you're grown up? What are you going to be when you're grown up? Somebody along the lines not too long ago said, don't ever ask that question because it's always that we're growing up. So I'm uh, definitely an adult, but I'm still growing up. And I don't know that I'm ever going to be. I'm going to be being and I'm going to keep growing because everything that challenges me makes me grow. So I know I talked on uh, the kid, kid, the interview with Kitty Fallon. I mentioned the idea of the growth mindset. And I really think that can change the world because our response to uh, being made small and to have shame um, makes us fragile and brittle so that when something uh, comes upon us, like uh, a mother saying to a crossing guard, and you're the crossing guard and says, Hey, I have, I have a suggestion. I just saw something happen that was outside of your peripheral vision and you should know about it. And his response was, what am I supposed to do about it? Was, would have been very different if he had said, Oh, I don't, I didn't know that. I thought that that kid was going to take a left. Now that I know he's going to take a right, I'll make sure to uh, talk to the bike riders, you know, as they, as they're coming across the street. But he may at any given moment for mental or physical reasons be overwhelmed uh, by the mass of kids coming across the street. But in my calculation, I think he could have had a better answer. And I only took it as a learning experience to say, how many times am I the crossing guard? And I'm the person when somebody says you could do that better or here's a little insight. And I said, well, what am I supposed to do about it? You're, you're giving it. Listen, I'm busy. I don't need I don't need, you know comments from the peanut gallery. So go ahead and, and think differently about that because we need um, adults in this world. I was out on a, I wanted to go on a whale watch and I ended up being on a fishing trip. And I guess a boat is a boat is a boat, but it, it really wasn't because I was, um, what was the name of that fish? I, I was, I was hoping to see whales and instead I uh, grabbed a boat where they stopped off the coast, which was lovely. And we stopped. I'm looking at my notes here. It was, yeah, rainbow smelt. Rainbow smelt. The easiest fish to ever catch in the world. <laughs> so as lovely as, as lovely as it was, we were, um, uh, so we stopped off the coast and saw this beautiful lighthouse. And then uh, the captain said, we're at our destination and we're going to start catching fish. And I was like, all right, that sounds sort of quaint and lovely. I was still looking out 
on the horizon to see if there was uh, any whales going to swim by. But I think I was at least a mile or two away from even a remote chance of seeing a whale. And so it was a fishing trip. And so the, um, the idea was to drop the line and pull it up, drop the line and pull it up, drop the fishing line, and pull it up. And every single time you dropped a fishing line, you would catch a fish. There were probably 30 people on the boat. The fishing rods were ready to go. You dropped the line, you pull the fish up, you drop the line and you would fill a huge bucket of fish. Um, my buddy explained to me that what we were doing was catching bait fish for when the same boat goes out deep sea fishing later for a chartered tour. So we were just, you know, gathering up, uh, um, for the fun of it, uh, bait fish. Uh, it wasn't fun for me. The water was a little choppy. I'm not a fan of watching fish just die in a bucket. Um, a lot of things transpired. Some of the kids that were on this uh, trip with me uh, started to feel seasick. So it was like time to wrap, wrap it up. And I feel like everybody got to the same conclusion eventually, especially when their bucket was full of dead fish. However, there was this one man. And you know how there's this saying that says there are teachers everywhere? I just was quietly, meditatively riding the waves. Um, trying not to feel seasick myself. And I watched this one man who I think the boat was waiting for because he was still fishing. And he dropped the line and he'd bring up a fish and he'd put it in his bucket, but his bucket was full. And so the fish would be flopping on the deck, which was pretty wet. Anyway, um, and then you'd have a dead fish on the deck. But he was doing this every 20 seconds at, at least. And the bucket was full. It was clearly full. It was really, really full. And I thought this grown man wasn't stopping. He looked around. He kept looking over his shoulders. And it wasn't self-evident that nobody around him was fishing. Even his family or his friends weren't fishing anymore. He was looking for an authority to tell him to stop fishing. So one of the crew members who was wearing the, the name of the boat on his shirt uh, walked around, walked over, and like I feel like he put down his vape and his cell phone for a second, and looked up, and he was like, "How you doing, buddy?" And he's like, "I'm doing good. Should I keep going?" And, go, and he like did not assess the situation at all. Patted him on the back and said, "Yeah, keep going," because he wants more bait fish. Even if it's dead, they'll pick it up later on the on the deck. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I could believe it. I'm sharing it with you because I could believe it, but. I'm also sharing it because I was able to see inside of a mindset that said, until an authority figure tells me that enough is enough, I do not need to take responsibility for my actions. He wasn't doing anything wrong. He just seemed tuned out, passively waiting for someone to announce to him that it was okay for him to make that natural change to say, my fishing part of this expedition is over. Um, keep in mind, I did not have any, I had nothing but like, um, curiosity. Like he was a really, really nice guy. Um, he had a nice smile about him, a nice way about him. Um, there was no like animosity as I'm telling the story. I hope there's no animosity coming through. Um, maybe you can get the sense that I, the, the seasickness that was like, I just get me back to shore. But other than that, I, 
I was like just fascinated by what was going on and I felt like a like an understanding that I'd never understood before about how adults need to be told sometimes when to step back and take action and make a change. So making a change, being adult, adulting is a willingness to actively participate in looking at yourself because you're not new to yourself anymore. Let's give the kids a credit. Like they are just doing this for the first time. They're getting to know themselves. Let's give them another credit. They're just getting to know their world for the first time. Like if I've only done something for three years or five years, like I should not say that like I'm the same as an expert who's done something for 30 years. If I've done something for 12 years, I should be able to look at somebody who's done life for 50 years and I gain some wisdom from the person who's been there. But um, after a while, you have to have actively forced down change. And that's called rigid, the rigid thinking, where you force down change and said, I am not going to look at myself because I have a belief system about looking at myself. It's a selfish thing to do. It's um, you know too self-centered. And you know, little do you know that the, if you've ever worked with somebody who does not look at themselves, um, they actually, that's more self-centered because, you know, h- how are you going to tell them they've like spilt ketchup down the front of their white shirt before they go into an important meeting? That's going to take a lot more effort than somebody says, oh dear, I spilt ketchup down the front of my shirt. Um, can you help me clean this up? Or does anyone have an extra shirt? Or let me put a sweater over this. See, problem solving, simple stuff. I hope that was a useful metaphor for you. So. Instead, if you've held on to the notion that whatever is going on, you don't have to look at yourself, then when somebody looks at you, actually sees you, whether it's for a compliment or for a constructive, progressive criticism, it would be like that you're fragile and you're brittle. And um, even when you're you know, faced with a suggestion to correct yourself or to be, even be a participate participate in like improving somebody else's life, which is the crossing guard moment. Like I, I feel like that crossing guard was safe no matter what. Um, but I felt like I can't get to that 10 year old. So maybe he can tomorrow. Um, that, that just was an interesting, um, interaction that really threw me for a loop because I think I felt powerless. I could not get out of my car and chase down that 10 year old or find the parents or it was just, I was going to have to accept it. Um, but I knew that anyone who was part of that school system could help to heal the system. Um, only when you're willing to look at yourself, are you ready to help heal the bigger systems around you and what I like to call the greater good. Um, but you, that, that's not even possible. And I, I think there are people who work on the greater good without working on themselves. Um, let me say they examine the greater good without being available to change um, and self-evaluate. And usually that's sort of a hollow um, scaffolding uh, that, that you're, you're building without uh, enough foundation. So that's sort of the fun of this idea of growing up. And 
you can find all the answers in the world to your own health issues, to your own stressors. Um, you can have all the resources in the world, but anybody who is participating in that are going, they're going to want to see it come beautifully from you, from, from the heart of you. And that, that growing up and that changing is part of the dynamic because you release, I was with a client, uh, the other day and I always, and I've talked about this on the podcast, the, the silence, the denial, the isolation and the rigidity are considered, you know, four of the, um, cornerstones, but I wonder of dysfunction, but I wonder if, <laughs> let me get that in, like uh, just the four cornerstones of, of what, right? The four cornerstones of dysfunction. Um, but I wonder if, you know, the rigidity piece, the unwillingness to change is something more than a cornerstone, because if you are willing to change, then denial and silence and um what's the other one denial silence rigidity isolation then the isolation also can melt away if you have a willingness to change to undo the rigidity so think about it could it be that unwillingness to change which really 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 brings us down and deep into that what we call the castle of dysfunction here so um when you're unwilling to change, then life is not fun anymore. It's not a game anymore. So think about a game. Actually think about a game. So imagine that you have a buddy on the team with you and that buddy's like, let's play soccer for a second. And you're kicking the ball, passing the ball to each other. And you get to the goal, beautiful, you know, day out and everyone's sort of paying attention and clapping for you. And it's just a, a moment and but he kicks the ball into the goal, bounces off the goal post. The other team is cheering. Yeah, good defense. Um, and your buddy just is devastated, just walks off the field. Maybe just, just, just walks off the, the, just leaves, quits the team because they tried for a goal and that was just too much. They failed. Well, there's a whole other game. The game needs to continue. I think you could get disqualified for having somebody walk off the team like that. Um, so that would hurt, that would hurt the entire process. And it's not an appropriate response. That's why sports and games are, are so healing and uh, such great teachers for us. Imagine, you know, making a, a, a real mistake. Like he didn't just go for the goal and then hit it and then missed it. Maybe he hit it into the wrong goal. My sister has a fun story about one of her favorite, you know, basketball hoops she ever scored she scored for the other goal you know for the for the wrong team but I'm like I was there I thought it was I thought it was awesome she was just thinking basket hit the basket she was probably nine years old um I barely remember it but it was it's a good story because let's not have shame with that it's like well you know she got she was mostly there she got the ball in the basket it was just the they'd switch sides and somebody didn't explain to her typical kid move this is what happens to kids did she ever do that again? No. Next time she got the basket in the side that it was supposed to be on, according to what the referee said was your team. So um, losing a game, making mistakes, losing the game, all of this does not require walking off the court and metaphorically not walking off the court of life. It's what makes the game fun. It's what makes the game dynamic. 
it what it's what makes you better if even better is even your goal what if your goal is just to enjoy the game and in, and and enjoy the fun of it all so don't give up on yourself don't stop because your 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 soccer ball hit the goal post or people on the other side are cheering good defense um don't get distracted by failure because failure is a is a, a natural response like you know to 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 feel badly when you fail is a natural response but that's a natural response that you grow into and then you notice it you say oh i noticed that that was too bad that i failed but you don't let yourself be devastated by it and if no one has taught you that up into through your life as it is now whether you're a teenager or an adult listening to this or even a kid listening to it uh teach it to yourself just let it be known that it's okay I made a mistake, but I made a mistake while I was going for it. Um, I I think a good way to um, really wrap around this idea of, of growing up and always growing and always changing is to think about a post. I saw it on um, Facebook the other day and it's just about the kids. The kids are, coming into their teenage years and they're looking at a generation or generations of people who cannot find it in their wherewithal as the adults to act like adults. So there's this great quote that says, you know, it's time for change when the children act like leaders and the leaders act like children. So, you know, it's time for change when the children act like leaders and the leaders act like children. So have some fun really um, thinking about that and saying, how about if the adults act like leaders and empower the children to act like leaders and we all act like leaders? Wow, that's a better world. That's a better world altogether. So growing up and really embracing change, change is always, always happening. We know this on like an astrophysics level. We're always expanding. Nothing is ever still. So get yourself out of the illusion that it's helpful to, to not keep changing and moving and feeling and going with all those feelings that happen when you're on a great big moving wheel of life. And I hope that um, we can all feel inspired by uh, knowing when it is your time to step up and be part of a bigger change and the greater good and knowing that it's always your time to step up and be part of your own greater good and your own change. So this is Hillary Crowley from the Good Energy Healing Show. Thanks for uh, tuning in, and I hope you have a beautiful day. I've really enjoyed uh, covering this topic because for a few minutes there, I felt really alone between talking to the crossing guard who said, what am I supposed to do about it? And today, this was my answer. I hope you have a beautiful day. If you're um, on this podcast and you get a chance to subscribe and rate, I would very much appreciate it. And I'll catch you the next time. Thanks for listening to the Good Energy Healing Show.